Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Friday, September the 24th. In a few moments, we're going to hear from the author of A Viewpoint about the highly successful organ donation system in Spain. But just before that, let's hear from my colleagues Erica Niesner and Dr. Bill Summerskill discussing other content highlights in this week's themed surgery issue of The Lancet. Hello, I'm Erica Kniesner and I'm here with Bill Summerskill and we're looking at this week's issue of The Lancet dated September 25th. It's a themed issue looking at surgery. Bill, can you tell us why this focus on surgery? Well, surgery is an incredibly important aspect of healthcare and for some time at The Lancet we have been concerned, as have several academic leaders in surgery, that somehow surgery hasn't reached its full potential. And so for the last three years, we've been actively engaging with surgeons, with researchers, with methodologists to see what we can do as a journal to help raise the profile of surgery, to draw attention to major advances, and to encourage wider engagement of surgery in the healthcare debate. Last year, for the American College of Surgeons Clinical Conference, we launched our ideal recommendations. This year, we certainly develop on that theme in a number of papers, and in response to our call for papers published earlier in the year, we have a number of research and other pieces in this, in this issue. So looking at the editorial for this week's issue, it seems that the evidence base isn't as strong as it could be. How does the content in this week's issue contribute to that evidence base? It's difficult to develop evidence uh, in complex specialties. And the uh, pinnacle of the hierarchy of evidence is often regarded as systematic reviews or meta-analyses followed by randomized controlled trials. And in that respect, we have two papers that look at the difference between a surgical approach, carotid endarthrectomy, and a less invasive approach of stenting for dealing with carotid stenosis. The meta-analysis shows that in the short term, the outcomes for symptomatic disease are better with endarthrectomy. That means uh, lower incidence of stroke, for instance. And back to back with that article, we have the long-term 10-year follow-up from carotid endarthrectomy versus stenting in asymptomatic carotid disease, which also points to a benefit of the surgical intervention. So the surgical intervention was preferable to the less invasive intervention? It appears to be, although more work needs to be done, particularly in defining risks for younger populations. Amongst the topical subjects which find expression in a surgical setting is one on equity. This looks at the global operating theatre distribution around the world and it's quite striking that with over 230 million surgical procedures each year, the wealthiest third of the world gobbles up 75% of the procedures. This leaves the poorest third, over 2 billion people, with only 4% of the operations. And of course, we know that this is a population which has the highest need for surgery, the greatest burden of surgical morbidity, where there could be great uh, efforts made to improve and prolong life. Now that paper 
is co-authored by someone called Atul Gawande, and he is featured in this week's profile. That also makes a great read, particularly for anyone who has appreciated Atul's pieces in The New Yorker. Now we have some comments on the surgery issue. Can you tell us a bit about those? Well, as usual, we have comments linked into each of the four research articles in the issue. Amongst the unlinked comments, we have one. This comes from Wuhan in China and describes the efforts there to increase organ donation. This is a relatively new phenomena in China. About a year ago, a number of pilots began in conjunction with the Red Cross to try to encourage a culture of organ donation to satisfy the demand for organs within the country. One of the approaches taken in Wuhan has been to have memorials so that relatives of people who've donated organs have a place to remember their loved ones. Of course, progress is hampered by the fact that the country doesn't have a legal definition of brain death, and this is an important step which the authors raise for the government to address to pave the way for more transplantations in the future. And then continuing the Lancet's engagement with surgical researchers, looking at ways to ease and improve the innovation and development of surgery, there is a piece from Peter McCulloch and Frank Schiller from Oxford about innovation using medical devices. This is an area that needs particular attention since at present manufacturers need only to demonstrate safety of a device, not effectiveness. So this comment explores ways in which manufacturers, surgeons as users, and regulators need to consider a better approach that will be of most benefit to patients. So in looking at the content for this week's issue, what does it tell us about where we're at with surgery and where we're going? With this issue, one sees the enormous high quality and potential of surgery. One is reminded of the tussle over territory between professions which surgery has experienced so much in recent years, whether interventions are best done by a surgeon, by a physician, a radiologist, an interventionalist. Uh, Carotid endarterectomy is just one of those passages which can be approached by so many different ways and could rightly fall under the remit of many different specialists. And I think this is one of the issues of surgery in that previously surgical diseases like peptic ulcer have now become medical conditions. So there is a need to redefine the discipline to some extent. In helping with that definition of the discipline, the editorial suggests that actually there are enormous public health opportunities, such as the suggestion in the study that I discussed earlier concerning the distribution of operating theatres. We know that surgery is important in public health, looking uh, at the fact that injuries are such a burden to public health, uh, preventable blindness. So there are many ways in which surgery can participate in public health. This issue suggests that perhaps with the influence of people like Atul Gawanda, maybe surgery can go further maybe the horizons can be lifted 
and the profession can actually find new challenges and new expressions that allow its unique skills, its unique ability to problem solve, to be translated into a bigger canvas. Many thanks to Bill and Erica. Now let's focus on a fascinating viewpoint which assesses the highly successful organ donation system in Spain. Earlier, I spoke to one of the authors of the viewpoint, Dr. David Rodriguez. He was on a fairly dodgy line from Thailand, so apologies if the sound quality isn't as good as usual. David Rodriguez, many thanks for joining The Lancet on the line from Thailand, but you're one of the authors of a viewpoint in the themed surgery issue of The Lancet concerning organ donation, but specifically the Spanish model, because you are Spanish and, and you work in Spain. We have very little time, unfortunately, David, but can you just, in summary, highlight the main issues or features of the Spanish system that you think make the, the organ donation such a successful system in Spain? Absolutely. So, um, the Spanish uh, success uh, is multifactorial, as you know. Uh, there is um, lots of uh, factors, and we don't exactly know the role of each factor in the whole uh, system, but there's for sure some implication of resources, ICU units, number of ICU beds, uh, coordinated coordination teams. Uh, I think there is more coordination teams in Spain than any other country in the world. So also transplant coordinators plays a crucial role in uh, both identification uh, of potential brain dead donors and in the interview with the families. Um, there are also uh, educational factors um, to help professionals receive education and training in identification of potential donors, brain dead diagnosis, legal issues, approach to the family, uh, also communication and mass media uh, training. Uh, also the legal approach is, is important. Uh, Spain is one of the countries with presumed consent system. Do you think that's the fundamental factor that makes the system work so well? And do you think it's that feature that should be generalizable to other health systems? Well, I don't really think that um, presumed consent is... Uh, uh, the only uh, factor that explains the, the success in Spain. If it was the case, many other countries with the same system will have similar outcomes, and this is not the case. So this is for sure one uh, factor that uh, everybody can be a potential donor. So this is for sure some uh, a factor that influences the outcomes, but uh, it cannot be every study who has explored um, the comparative, in a comparative approach, the the, the rates of organ donation, um, both with opt-in and opt-out system. Yes, there is some trend that opt-out countries have more donors, but uh, never an opt-out system has been implemented without implemented simultaneously over uh, over uh, strategies to increment the number of donation. So it cannot be concluded that uh, opt-out by itself is the reason of the Spanish success. Thank you. And a very final quick question, because we want people listening to this to read your viewpoint. It's a very interesting viewpoint. Do you think financial incentives 
uh, are an important feature as well to to consider implementing in, in a health system to pr encourage or promote organ donation? Well, this is a very, very interesting question. Um, I think if financial incentives can play a role, uh, we are not sure exactly what role it plays, but of course, uh, I think uh, people, if they are paid uh, per uh, activity, they they may be they might they might be more motivated to to identify donors and to 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 not to to let potential donors uh, be lost. But uh, yet, I think more research is necessary to before concluding that this is having a, a real impact. Uh, in the paper, we suggest that uh, it. These uh, financial incentives might also be uh, a factor influencing other countries' uh, success in transplantation rates. For example, uh, we were wondering whether in Italy or Portugal or other countries, we don't know exactly how, how it works. And uh, so I think more research is necessary in this, in this um, part of, of the Spanish model also. Yeah. Excellent. Well, sorry to cut the interview short, but it's a fascinating um, viewpoint and, and very nice to talk to you. Many thanks for for ringing us up from back from a library in Thailand. And Thank you very much. Thanks for speaking to The Lancet and everyone listening to this podcast. Do please read one of two viewpoints concerning organ donation. This one by David Rodriguez, who we've just been hearing from. David, many thanks indeed. Thank you very much, and I thank you from, uh, in the name of all the co-authors of the paper. Thank you. Well, many thanks to all our contributors in this week's podcast, and to you for listening. See you next time.